you have to grow. Yep. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Modern Growth. It's your boy Gabe right here. I'm so, so excited to be back on with my dog, my brother from another mother. Ken, what's good, brody? Yes, sir, man. What's going on, G, man? Happy to tap in. Uh, we made a vow that we was going to tap in more regular, and uh, we off to a good start already, so I can't yeah, wait to get um, into what we got to talk about today. To a good start, Ken. Do I got some interesting stuff for you today, bro. So, let's see. That was Sunday we was on. Sunday was what day? The 28th, maybe? Yes. Sunday was the 28th. No, no, 27th. No, yeah, 28, 28, 28. So Sunday was the 28th. On Sunday, we received word from the governor that all gyms, theaters, and bars were to shut down as of 8 p.m. that night, right? So this is, this is Arizona. So, so <laughs> that was the order given to all gyms, bars, and theaters. Um, so, you know... We thinking like that's gonna that's gonna have some sort of effect on what we got going on. You know what I mean? Like just being real, like, cause at the end of the day, like we get a lot of our traffic. Our location is really really prime. Our a lot of our traffic comes from Lifetime. I mean, they got five thousand members. Um, Diamond Club Lifetime, like it's like it's the most ideal situation for somewhere like ourselves. But that's us being there is beside the point. Um, so that was the 28th. No, no, no. This was on 29th, actually. This was Monday night. Cause then on Tuesday was the first day that they actually weren't able to be operating. Lifetime's doors were still open, but you just couldn't use the workout floor, right? So they still had available for you steam room, sauna, um, kids room, like all of this stuff was still available. The pool up top was still available. Um, they just weren't able to let you work out, like actually work out, but you could go in the steam room and sauna and all that stuff, which was kind of weird, but nonetheless. So that was on the 30th. And then, so I went in there, I'm a member. So I went in there, I'm like, uh, like you know what I'm saying, what's going on? And then they're like, well, you know what I mean? We working on it diligently with our lawyers. We about to, we gonna open up tomorrow. And for you to say something like that, you gotta be pretty confident that you gonna actually open up tomorrow to tell a member that, that like you gonna open up tomorrow. So fast forward to the next day. Well, really fast forward to that evening. Um, huge gym out here, Mountainside and Lifetime uh, both of their CEOs went on record saying like that they're going to sue the governor um, for his ban. And a lot of the reasons behind it were pretty interesting, bro. So earlier last month, uh, there was a contribution from one of the major gyms out here, Mountainside Fitness. Uh, the CEO, he donated $100,000 to, you know what I'm saying, COVID relief and to the governor's campaign in order to, you know, really help help with the relief of COVID and kind of speed this process up. So that happened. I don't know exactly what it was that Lifetime donated, but they were also into that in that realm. So then when this happened, they was like, oh no, F that. We're not closing. We're going to stay open. 
So that's what they did. They got their lawyers together. And let me tell you which one they decided on. So you know how the liquor store is considered essential, right? Yes. You know why the liquor store is considered essential? I do not recall specifically, but I do recall them um, being a reason for it. I, I, so, I, I know it's, it's kind of a messed up reason why. It's oh, it, it is, Ken. So yeah. the liquor store is considered essential because basically if you were to take alcohol away from an alcoholic, it could then lead to depression, then leading to death essentially right so they they're needed so all the, the these gyms decided okay we're needed if you take away the gym from the workout junkie or the fitness enthusiast then that's going to lead to depression which could overall lead to death and it sounds nuts, right? But I'm not afraid to tell you that these people out here is a thousand percent behind it. And sure, I paid for my lifetime membership, so I was in there yesterday, cause <laughs> working out. I'll tell you a thousand percent because <laughs> I was in there here, out. it's so funny because it's funny you said that because when I went to my gym is still open and uh, I go to Powerhouse Gym. I happen to go to the largest powerhouse in the country. It's uh, located in Novi. And I posted on my Instagram story, you know, me working out at my gym. And people are hitting my line talking about, hey, uh, is your gym open? I'm like, clearly. I'm like, I'm clearly in here. Like, but I guess everybody else's gym is closed, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess, like, I mean, really, like, money talks. And I understand. And I, I think that, I I definitely understand because Best Buy, my uh my my second job, like they everybody can find a need to be essential, I guess, because you know. But I think Best Buy's reason was a little bit more concrete than that. It was like you know, hey, people are working from home, working remotely. Like we need to be able to, you know, supply our our customers to maintain you know work status and be employed. So that's very 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 reasonable. So I can get that, but that reason for light, lifetime in comparison to taking alcohol from an alcoholic, it's fairly reasonable. <laughs> so It's super fair, bro. Like, if you really break it down and think about it, the logic strings out and you got no choice but to listen to them. So this was the response. And I'm not, I'm not 100% positive on the numbers, but so originally the, the fine is $1,000 if you're operating and you're not supposed to be operating. $1,000 every time they come, right? Um... But <laughs> allegedly, the fine has been raised to forty-two bands. Of course, it is during this pandemic. Like they have to put some back in their pocket, right? But here's the thing: let's look at it from lifetime's perspective. They they got let's see, they got five thousand members. Membership about. Two hundred dollars pop, especially because his lifetime is especially known for the family memberships. Yeah, so lifetime membership two hundred pop, five thousand members. You telling me that on June thirtieth, the day before the first, 
I'm not going to do everything in my power to collect that meal ticket. Yeah, but at the same time, was it closed beforehand? Yeah, there was there was limited capacity on the 29th, oh. on the 30th. We're talking about as far as like collecting that membership because that membership is gonna happen regardless. In that regard, on the first. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, I mean, you could have you could have put your shit on hold though. Yeah, but I don't think they were closed for long enough for them to put it on hold. If you know what I mean, because because I know no, nah, you can put you my, can pause your membership whenever you want. Like if you about to go out of town oh, for okay. a month, you know what I'm saying? Like you can pause your shit. Is it? It's like ten dollars or something like that to put it on hold. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. So you're saying that um, they right before the first before they collect that meal ticket, y'all finna tell us, okay, we want to shut y'all down, and we and that means we can't operate. No, I'm not talking about from the state's perspective. I'm talking about lifetime. Like you yes, think I'm, saying, I'm, like, go, I'm not going to do everything in my power to get this milli tomorrow? Hey, y'all, we open. Especially if you only going to charge me a band a day, 30000 is worth a Like, that's worth giving up for a million every trip. Right. So that's why they bumped up that ticket. That, that 42, that's a little bit different, dog. <laughs> and that's 40, that's 42 bands every time they come in there. I guess I'm not. I'm not sure. That's just what what I read. That's just what I read. I don't know. But the the real like so another like another issue that arose with it was like okay, the governor out here he um his like he's the founder of Coldstone like that's his that's his brand. Mm. His wife owns a ton of salons. Mm salons or food places didn't close see that's hypocritical because if you're talking about capacity i mean gyms are on the same level as restaurants and hair salons and right places just like that like the the traffic is considerably similar so um i mean i know in michigan whatever phase that uh that governor um Big Gretch. Uh, big, big Gretch, whatever phase that Big Gretch was a part of a reopening, you know. Actually, I ain't gonna lie, like the nail, yeah, it was the nail salons and the gyms were on the same accord. And the restaurants came a little bit before that, but they could only operate at a certain capacity anyway. Yeah, no, they, it's inter- it was just real interesting to see, like, how everything shook out and just, like, hearing people voice their frustration. Like, I get it. Like I get I get I understand that like from the governor perspective he had to do something. He had to do something. Yeah. But he also didn't want to shut the econ- he didn't want to have that same econ- economic drop that he had before. So it's like how do I do that? Let me limit yeah. let me shut the bars now. Limit the limit the capacity in restaurants and then you know what I'm saying? Like you just got to pick your battles but the problem is he just was he was on the beneficial end of it so like you got to feel like it was well thought out you know what I mean yeah I feel like that and that's the problem each state operates differently than other states and this is why we have surges in particular states that decided to open sooner than other states so I mean unless you have the president um you know, deliver an executive order of some sort um, across the board that affects the entire nation, then guess what? Like, I mean, this is the situation we're going to be in. So um, 
I don't believe other countries have that really problem. You know what I mean? Because whatever they say goes, goes across the entire country. But the problem is, is that when you, hold on one second. You hear me? Yep. Okay. So the problem is like when you, the problem is that when you let each state have their own individual um, ruling and so it's hard to contain. And so it's just, and it's, imagine like 50 different states doing 50 different things during a pandemic and operating um, at their own benefit or, or, you know, at some point expense for the most part. So yeah. I think that it's, it's very, it's, uh, it's very alarming to see. And I feel like that this is, what, this is what we hear about each and every day. This is why the world, well, our country in particular is in such chaos right now. Yeah, no, it is, bro. And like, <clears throat> that kind of leads me to my transition as to, you know, like, seeing as what's going on in states like Arizona. Um, first, do you even think that the NBA going to be able to play right now? I don't think, I don't think that, I think they're going to force it. Um, but I just don't like the idea I think they are going to end up doing more damage than good, to be honest. Like, with all the with all the alternatives they're trying to implement, um, I mean, you got so many different players that are not – I mean, cause, so what is this? Like, it's, it sounded more of like a pickup league. Almost. Listen, bro, like, it's – oh, such-and-such uh, such ain't going to play. We about to sign this dude. Then, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just – to me, that's not the NBA though. That's not you know the I mean? we're not getting we're not getting the best talent on the biggest stage in front of fans. And I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. Boxing is different than them other sports. Like you can box, you literally fighting somebody. So like you you can do that and not be in front of fans, and you still get that adrenaline rush when you hooping. Like, I mean, it's really gonna be like the damn the All Star Game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that's yeah. the, that's the the, the, like the seriousness of it. You know what I mean? I don't like it, but at the end of the day, we know what is the reason behind it. It's all for a book. Like, I mean, financially, this is something that they have to do. You know? Yeah, but like financially, I, I, I get that. I get that. I mean, look, especially looking at their expenses, their expenses to like build the bubble quote unquote, and like keep all the players in the, you know what I'm saying, given areas, pay for their meals, all that stuff. Like, it's expensive. So like, I feel, I feel as if, if they get everybody down there, it's gonna take, it's gonna take a lot for them to shut it down. Yeah, but I mean, you're also talking or about really just a it, yeah, no, it's really just going to take – and when I say a lot, it's just going to take right-slash-wrong person to contract COVID for it to be shut yeah, Man, I was talking about somebody – I was talking to TJ about this yesterday. I mean, they're forcing this NBA season. I'm like, okay. I mean, like I said, like, cross my fingers, no jinx, anything like that. But all it takes is one, you know, major NBA player to contract COVID and then be seriously not, – not even die, but just get seriously sick. You know what I mean? All of us getting shut down, period. Like, you know what I mean? 
Like, just imagine. I'm not gonna say any names. No, no, no. Let's just, bro. Let's just keep it G. Like, like, how y'all gonna tell us? Everybody stay at home, stay at home, stay at home. But then, like, y'all can't, y'all can't be positive that everybody working at the at the resort gonna be staying at home. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like all of this stuff. Like I just don't. It's just too many factors that you really can't control. Way too many factors you can't control. And the thing about it is that, you know, they're gonna continue to push this narrative that they have it under control while players voice their concerns of the exact opposite. You know, contrary to that belief, like these players don't really want to play. Like it's no, no matter what, there's gonna be an asterisk on, on this season. It's they not just want their the bread, same. bro. That's really what it boiled down to. Them players want their bread. So it's like uh, at the end of the day, like when we talk about this 15, 20 years from now, nobody's gonna be speaking on the 2020 champions, like yeah. except for what it was and more so what was the circumstances behind that year more so than that actual champion. So I just feel like they should just scrap it, like let these players rest, like because I mean, at the end of the day, like they're just trying to because I mean, I guess. If they don't play this season, then all, the, all their losses, all their expenses can roll over to the salary cap. And then you have all these, you know, contracts that you have to abide to and whatnot. So it could be a mess. It could roll over yep. be a mess. But, I mean, from my perspective, I think it would be easier for them to just say, just shut it down. You know what I mean? Wait till start training camp in the fall. And I know that's not ideal, especially for a lot of these NBA players who, you know, want to play. And on the back half of their career, you know, all these games, all these years are precious. But you know, you got to think about what the Kawhi's thinking right now. We don't know what Kawhi's thinking, bro. Kawhi will play, you know, what I'm saying, in and in, in Kendrick Lamar's backyard. You know what I mean for the championship. He don't care. But I think just for the, I think the integrity um, of the playoffs and everything it is, we need the exact players like that. We need the, those players on those teams to be involved and playing in these games. And, you know, I just don't really see, like, if Abby Bradley can't play, let's say Dwight don't play. You're talking bro. about um, – it's just – I don't, about I don't this, see – where, where the Nuggets ranked at in the playoff race right now? Like, four or fifth, something like that? Who? The Nuggets. Yeah, they're around four, four, four or five spot. They can chalk it. No Jokic, chalk it. It's out. Why the Nuggets got chalk it? They don't got Jokic. He got COVID. Yeah, but he said he's still willing to play. I mean, he's got a score. Yeah, but then, bro, I'm not trying to hoop with fam. Okay, but how would that work? Like, would they just tell, like, nah, you can't play? Like, you know, that's not going to happen. You know what they I'm saying? But, like, that. think about it from a player pers- a player's perspective, bro. It's like, oh, okay, I just got to trust that he good now. Okay. All right, cool. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, it's other players that had COVID, too. Bro, that's gonna be in the playoffs. That, that 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 played on like like what like you said like three players on the Lakers that had COVID that we don't we don't know who they were. Yeah, I respect the Lakers for keeping it on the hush, bro. Because there's a lot of people that's just letting it letting it come out. Like we found out Zeke had it. That's that's bold, hell. Like I messed up. Like that they Zeke had they, a bad off season, but you know that's neither here nor there. Did you see the? Other, by the way, did you see? Not to, not to completely interrupt it, but did you see? He had he was on he was streaming the other day. <laughs> he was like, they was like, you said he high? No, nah, that ain't what I meant. Like, nah, bro, I'm weak. Like, bro, what's going on? He had a rough ass off season, bro. Rough off season, but. 
like I said, like, are they going to tell Jokic not to play? No, it's not going to happen. So I think that it's always going to have an asterisk by the season and just the, just the integrity of, like, you know what I mean? Like, when, when you play 2K and you, you know, have these teams, you in the playoffs, you want your full squad. Like, I just don't think that the NBA should, you know, like, je- I don't want to say je- jeopardize, but, you know, should put their but the integrity of the game. Well, I, I guess that's, that's a tough word to say. But you know what I mean? Like, I just don't feel – I feel like the – Oh, bro, it's cool to feel like that. I think it's cool to feel like that. It's okay to think that, shit, this ain't the NBA that I'm used to watching. I want to see the – you know what I'm saying? I want to see it the way it's meant to be played. The game, you know what I'm saying? The game is meant for teams to be at their full strength, especially, you know what I'm saying, in the playoffs. In the playoffs, you want to see – the best version of the Lakers. You want to see the best version of the Clippers. You want to see the best version of the Bucks. You know what I'm saying? You want you these are teams you want to see. You want to see their best version because hell, that's playoff basketball. Yeah, exactly. Playoff basketball. So we that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that our teams are at the full at the full capacity, and that's what not what we're gonna get. You know, and I get that it's gonna be. Um, something that's going to supplement the time because we've been shooting with our sports for about four months now. So, I mean, I understand, like, you know, the entertainment behind it. But, hey, like, if these players don't feel comfortable and, you know, if collectively they don't feel comfortable, I don't see how the NBA can force them to do that, you know. I think the NBA players have that much power and that much influence. And uh, Adam Silver is a good enough commissioner. But anyway, like I was saying, um, they was talking about doing, like, a second bubble also in uh, Chicago or something like that. Or I forgot what city put it for the eight teams that, that, that didn't make it. That didn't make the playoffs, basically. And they're going to have, like, a little mini camp thing there. I just feel like they're doing a lot, man. I- okay. But, yeah. So, basically, like I was saying, like, they're doing, like, a little bubble uh, in, I think, Chicago or something like that with the eight teams that didn't make the playoffs. And I feel like, you know, they're doing a lot. Right now, and I understand the entertainment value of it, um, and you know, to keep bringing in money of some sort, right? Join it completely lost, but I feel like you know they can do some also some things to make sure that that, that next season for the NBA is that much more better, um, including moving up, moving up the season, you know, doing maybe a little tournament in the beginning. Like there's a number of things that they that they can do um, that you know will spread out the NBA season and make it that much more enjoyable. And make sure that's safe, you know. Um, which also moves for me into your feelings about college football. Uh, you being a, co- a former college football player, um, I mean, from your perspective, how would you feel about COVID right now? And I know it's about the about the first couple of days in July, so you would have camp starting in about a month. Like with everything going on, how would you feel about uh, playing college football at this point? Um. It depends, man, because I don't know. Depends on like, what point in my college career I'm in, like what what's things looking like for me. Um, if I'm somebody that's, <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm somebody that's trying to improve my draft stock and all that, I would definitely be trying to play. But at the same time, you you gotta, you know what I'm saying, you gotta take into account that like 
Like, shit. I don't know, fam. Like, I got asthma. So, like, I, it ain't something that I'm really trying to deal with. You know what I'm saying? It's a respiratory. It, it, it's going to attack your respiratory system. Like, I got asthma. That ain't really something that I'm trying to contract. And then football, you engaging face-to-face with people. You know what I'm saying? You got no choice. What, you going to play with masks on? You know what I mean? Like, you got no choice but to sweat on each other. You know what I'm saying? Y'all be breathing on each other and all of that. Like, you really trusting that everything is 100. And, bro, like, come on, fam. You've been in college before. College college kids going to be college kids. They going to go out and do stuff when they not being supervised. It just is what it is. So, like, it's a lot more risk. I mean, there's risk in the NBA, risk in the NFL, risk in all of it. But, like, I think for for college, it's super risky. It's super risky. And I think that it's funny you said that because even though it's super risky, it's also out of the three sports between – college football, NFL, NBA, I feel like it relies the most on this season to happen. I feel like college football is going to push um, for it to happen more than any uh, – more of, than the other two sports. I feel like there's too many variables, um, scholarships. You know, we're talking about re- re- recruiting classes from, from year to year. Now, it, now it, it's, it's a numbers game. How, how do you deal with, with that turnover? Like, what do you – what does that roster management look like? Now you're having to manage a roster like an NFL roster, but guess what? Like, these are college kids, so. Because here's the know, thing. This is my question. Because cause this, is, this is why I was thinking the way I was thinking. Like, so say that there's a player, he don't feel comfortable. He don't want to play. Do you take one of his years of eligibility? And that's what I'm saying. Like, are you, will, I mean, ideally, from a moral standpoint, of course not. But when it comes to your 2021 recruiting class, and then when it comes to, dang, like, we don't know what to do with this person. Like, I mean, you still want to, you still got to keep your scholarship numbers at a certain point, because guess what? Like, colleges are losing money, too. Like, those, those funds, those departments are losing money, too. So, ideally, like, you can't just add, I mean, what, it's like 85 scholarship players usually on the college team, something like that. Yeah, I think it's 85. I think it's 85 scholarships. Yeah, 85. And then let's say you have like 21 different players that, you know, still have a year of eligibility and this pandemic had a direct effect on the eligibility. Like, this, like 106 players, like, you know. And then you're multiplying that by, you know, whatever it is for, you know, their scholarship. $40,000, $50,000. And that's for one school. We're talking about like hundreds of schools across the country. You know what I mean? With all yeah. having different, you know, all having different um, situations, playing in different conferences. They're all in different hotbeds. Like, I just feel like it'd be very, very difficult for them to delay the season uh, or stop the season. I feel like the best case scenario for them would to just be to. I feel like um, what I would suggest if they yeah, propose to, a plan for them. Propose a plan. I'm here for it. Oh yeah, in order to salvage the NCAA football season. I would suggest that we that they only really worry about in conference uh, scheduling. So the out of the out of conference from going across the country playing those big games, um, I wouldn't worry about that. So you will have more of a condensed season. Um, and then obviously you pull from from your Power Five conferences. 
and things of that nature. You know, you have like a top two, a three, whatever the case may be from every conference and do some type of tournament like that. You maybe have to re revise the, the playoff system of some sort, you know, um, only because if you don't have out of conference games then it's kind of hard to do shut the schedule or something like that. So you would have to pit like, you know, a Big Ten versus ACC, like, you know, they're doing college basketball or something like, like that across mm -hmm. the board. But um, I think that the – like, say, for example, you know, me, John, Amani, we're talking about going to the Washington game where Michigan plays Washington for the season opener. I highly doubt the game is going to happen, you know. I think that right. uh, the, safest, the safest bet is to do in-conference games you won't have to worry about air travel and then you just do like buses and stuff like that. I think there's, I think each area has to control each, each conference should have like what they should do to control uh, their conference schedule. And then, you know, they can really just go from there. But I think for every conference to be cohesive and it's the NCAA is already in a much different state from a commissioner uh, standpoint than the NBA and NFL. I think that, um, more so the conference commissioners have a lot more power and influence. So I think it really starts with them mm -hmm. and doing what's best for the conference, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that, that <clears throat> it's definitely on like the people within the conference to kind of make that decision. But my thing is, what about the schools in the smaller conferences? I'm a small, I'm a small school guy. So like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what that would look like for the MAC. I mean, I know obviously, like we're all busable within the conference. Like we can all bus to each of the games within the conference, sure. But like, we rely on the the fans that we do have to come to the game. That's where our bread comes from. You know what I'm saying? We rely on those big games playing against Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Big, you know what I'm saying, Big 12, Pac-12, like we rely on those games for funding. So now, now it's a situation where, where are we going to get that funding from? If, if it goes in conference only, like that's a big check, bro. Like that'd be like hundreds of thousands of dollars that get paid out to those small schools. Like when we, like when I was there, we went, we played Florida, we played Virginia Tech, we played West Virginia. These were all big paydays for us, for our school. So from a financial a financial perspective, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's up in the air. It's, it's going to be a damper on the smaller schools because we relied on that bread from the big schools to kind of set our our entire athletic program up. Like it's yeah. our, our smaller female programs, and they don't they don't pull in as much money. It is just is what it is. So, how does that look? Uh, I feel like that. I feel like everybody's losing money. Like I know, I mean, I'm a big Michigan fan, so I follow them. But I think Michigan's losing like 26 million or something like that this season alone. So I think that everybody loses money. I just the, the smaller schools, like their room for error is just bigger. I mean, it's smaller, basically. The roof air is smaller and uh, their ability to adjust may net. So they may have to be on a stringent schedule. I feel like they can still do like an in-conference thing that I proposed earlier, but I feel like their budget would be more, obviously more stringent. And um, that can affect like scholarship players in a multitude of ways. Like 
you know, meal plans, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like stimulus checks, like mean, like yeah. anything, you know? And yeah, that well, is like, I'm thinking more along the lines of it's going to cause schools to cut programs entirely. Yeah, we, we've already seen that at Central Michigan. I, I believe they cut the uh, men's and women's strike team. I may be mistaken, but I know they at least cut one of them. So, yes. Men's like, baseball is gone at BG. But is that like a temporary thing or is that? It's gone. So you, so you don't foresee them ever bringing that back? When they are yeah, back years, the years down the road, like, like they literally cut the program. Like, all y'all can go transfer somewhere. Like, it's over. Yeah, that's very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. And you know, um, wow. And which, which really gives you gives me the belief that confirms my belief that you know they're gonna push like for this NCAA season like really hard. Because like yeah, no, because they need money. They need money. Yeah, and that's what that's what is across the board. Whether we're talking about NBA, NFL, even college, man, like these are all like like major major paydays. Like whether it's March Madness, um, what whether it's like college game day, obviously the playoffs, bowl season, bowl season is tons of dollars, man. That you know fuels so much in the economy. You know what I mean? We're talking about bars, restaurant businesses. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about college departments, whole staffs. You know what I mean? Like it's like money, like uh, like concessions, stadiums. Like we're talking about TV deals. Eight, like so many people get affected, and then that's on the back end, not even including the entertainment side for you know for us to be. But in, think about the actual atmosphere, though. College sports is built around the atmosphere. Don't get me wrong. There's great players in college. They, you know, saying there's great teams. But the fans is what makes the atmosphere. Like, Michigan's, Michigan Stadium is a thing. You know what I mean? 100-plus thousand people. 110,000. I don't know what the exact number is. But, like, over 100,000 people fill up that stadium. The Horseshoe, Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? LSU, Death Valley. Like, all of these things, like, all of these places – are known for their fans and the atmosphere that's created within the stadium. Imagine, imagine watching those games being played with just the players. That shit dirty. They, it won't be just the players. Like I think it would have to be, um, they had to spike up dramatically, which is, you know, it could be on its way. But I feel like they're gonna do a capacity standpoint because, like you said, like going back to money, you know, the atmosphere is already huge, of course, but like, somebody's better than no money, so if they say, okay, we can do 30% capacity or 40% capacity, because I mean, 40% capacity, 100,000, you can still do social, social distancing, you know what I mean? But how do you, okay, so so at that point, it's like, alright, what you gonna do, sit people every other seat? Yeah, they probably would. Yeah, I feel like they, they would obviously have to, you know, um, go through the the go through the logistics uh, regarding that, but yeah, they would definitely do something like that. Like, there's no way that they would just play with just, with just the players. Like, obviously, they're not going to reach c- capacity, of course. But then you will see stuff like, okay, well, if we're only doing forty percent, guess what? Like, these tickets are going to be, you know what I mean? With the, so more. yeah, dude, that bitch is going to be waxing for sure. But like then, yeah. so with the NBA said they playing no fans. That's the precedent now. 
No fans. Yeah, but we're talking about atmosphere, and I feel like the NBA could get away with mm, you know, that shit the same, bro. I'm I'm talking. Like, it's, it's the same. It's not the same as college. It's not the same. No, college. it's not the same atmosphere, not at all. But at the end of the day, the players play in front of the fans. You know what I'm saying? Like they feed off the energy from the crowd. Like that's gonna just turn into a a, a sky a lifetime of lifetime fitness little sky club is gonna be one of them runs now. I think that it could be. I think they could flip it though because it's only the playoffs for one. So I feel like they could flip it and you know they can make um, it appealing in a number of different ways, like when they change the All-Star game or, you know, the NBA has a way of doing things that could be appealing, like the way they market it or the way they approach it. They was already talking about doing, like, in-game audio, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, like, obviously, this is abnormal, but I still think that they can have an element to it that could be appealing for the fans and they just to be appreciative of basketball as well. Well, while being compared to college sports, like, that's not happening. Kind of there, they're not playing with uh, – no fans. Like I said, there'll be a different capacity. Yes, like, you know, the, the I think the home foot advantage will be neutralized for sure. Because, like, how do you do that when you don't have, you know, the um, amount of fans? Because guess what? Even at 40%, you're not going to fill a stadium with sound. It's not the same, you know? Well, what, no matter what time of day it's played, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that what you'll see is, uh, like, a real talent, like, discrepancy on the field because you know that's what we'll have to show up and show out you know and so I think it'll be a different dynamic for a lot of college players but guess what like also we're talking about scholarships and you know making sure that the, the, the recruiting classes doesn't mess the number for roster management also have to talk about what about the people that were planning on leaving for this year they're playing the, 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 the juniors that didn't that uh, stayed uh, for this senior year you know and guess what they got to go to the and they got to go to the NFL too yeah, yeah think about, like, like, for example, all right, so let's take that, for example, exactly what you're talking about. What's my man's over at Clemson? What's the quarterback name? Trevor Lawrence. I'm not playing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you – I mean, but they're going to they're gonna want to play, and I think that's what that's, – that's the thing. Like, they're, they're going to play because – Man, these kids make business decisions now, Kendall. Yeah, but when's the last time you see a kid, like, sit out the whole college ball season? Nick it's Bosa. much more prevalent, like, and it feels like the NBA. Nick where, Bosa. Like, yeah, after he got hurt, though. Yeah, but he was back. He was It was premeditated. It's different. It's, it's, it's a little different. It wasn't premeditated. This ain't premeditated? You think these niggas wanted COVID? No, I'm talking about it's premeditated before the season even started. He started the season and then got hurt and then said, I'm not coming back. Which I'm pretty true. sure that he went into that season knowing if I get hurt, this shit, I'm done. I'm, I'm waiting to the draft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, that would that would be a mess as well because if Trevor Lawrence don't play, then guess what? Justin Fields might not play. You know what I mean? I feel right. like it's one of them things across the board where they're gonna make it. You know, just gonna incentivize the the need to, to play. And obviously, we know the dynamics of a college football team versus a college basketball team is much different. So the odds of them sitting out is are are definitely less likely, in my opinion. No, I, I agree. I agree. The odds of them sitting out is less likely, but if I'm a guy, potential number one pick, 
and I ain't trying to deal with COVID. I love the game, but I ain't trying to play with my life. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, right. It's a. It's That's why you can't blame anybody for their individual decision. And I feel like, you know, the back half of this year is going to be extremely interesting because we have to find, we're going to find out what it looks like. You know, they've been planning ever since COVID started. And we're coming up in the months where the playoffs are supposed to start at the end of this month. And then, of course, college football starts in about two months at the end of August. So we're going to see how it happens real soon. But like we alluded to earlier, all it takes is for somebody like Trevor Lawrence, boom, COVID, yeah. During the season, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's getting shut down. You know what I'm saying? Like It's a wrap. LeBron, getting COVID, like, during uh, the playoffs, oh, yeah, he's getting shut down. Like You know what I mean? And now you put fear in the players, you know? You see, I mean, I know you remember Space Jam when, you know, Charles Barkley or whatever, had, they had caught, you know, they got that time taken away from him, and they showed up to the court like, man, we ain't playing. Uh, you seen that man out there? Like, hey, we going out there. Like, man, forget that. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, it's going to be one of the things I think that this year has proved a challenge for everybody. And, um, you know, mentally, psychologically, spiritually. And then, of course, we have to think about that, you know, everybody's doing this, these best decisions for their family while also trying to support their family, you know? Um, these are things that people face every day, like, Am I going to go get hazard pay and put my life on the line or not be able to pay this bill? Because bills have to stop coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, so mm-hmm. it's one of those things where we'll see what's, uh, how it'd be affected across the board. But um, I'm sure that, you know, we'll come back to this topic and, you know, we'll go talk about it more in depth as we see how, you know, those plans that everybody, they were um, trying to execute before the season, uh, how they're being implemented during the season. Yeah, I'm interested to see, man. I'm interested to see. We ain't gotta, we ain't gotta beat a dead horse, man. That was, that was good, bro. That was good shit. I think. I can't wait. I can't wait to hop back on here and talk more about it and, and really see how things start developing, especially as, you know, they just started to build out. Um, NFL players report at the end of the month. Um, it's a lot of things coming up, man. So, I just, I'm just interested to see how the plans continue to unfold and. Really, what they gonna do? What you gonna do? She nah, but uh, hey, no. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I definitely agree. So um, you know, no further ado. We'll, like I said, we'll hop back into that um at another point in time. I know the last time we spoke, we talked about how um black women do not feel they have the support for black men. You know, um, and we acknowledge that you know black men have fallen short. Uh, I think I can speak for black men. Or I think that if black men were being realistic, we can speak. Um, we can generally say that, you know, we fall short in that category from where how we need to put our black women on a pedestal. So, you know, uh, Gabe, talk about the post that you seen earlier and what you want to really tap in and bring uh, to the pod for us to briefly touch on. And then, of course, get a, um, of course, uh, a young black woman on here to uh, talk to us about that and what black women need as well. Alright, so what was it yesterday? Oh man. I lost it. I think it was how to love a black man, right? Or how to love a it man. Was. It was. It was it was just how to love a man. Um 
<clears throat> my bad, I lost it. Um, but basically, it was like it outlined it outlined how to love a man, and it listed a ton of things on there. And I'm gonna find this post um, just because I, I I definitely want to talk about it, and I think that it's something that um, it was interesting to me. Um, it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, a lot of things that dealt around understanding and also kind of highlighted the natural male lack of communication in certain areas and um i don't know it was it was interesting I, once i find the post i think we can talk about it more because i want to i want to like get into the specifics of it just because it was so i sent it to you cuz i i felt deeply about it but like i want to be able to read the post so i can share exactly what it said with everybody um so we'll We'll dive into it. We'll dive into it at a later date, but I definitely, I definitely think it intertwines a ton with um, what we spoke on last episode. Well, I think we can deeply, we, we can briefly tap into it real quick, because because I just want to tap into the point that you said about black men lacking communication, and uh, I want to know why that is, or try to get the idea of why that could be, because. That is one of the main reasons why communication is, um, well, I won't say is, but has become the most important thing, you know, in a, in a relationship for me um, because of, I think, our lack of ability to express what we desire and uh, what we need and what our shortcomings are. I feel like, you know, in contrary, Black women are much better at uh, sharing those emotions which are needed. But at the same time, you know, how can black women love us um, the best way they know how unless we're able to express the, our, our own emotions, our own shortcomings, and, you know, kind of fill in some of the blanks ourselves or what, you know, other people are trying to know. So, I mean, from your experience, like, why do you feel like communication is um, just that why do you feel like we lack in the communication department as a lot of uh, men i think a lot of men don't necessarily understand themselves um and it take a lot to really like understand yourself it's easy to say like no this is what i want this is this is me but for you to really dig deep and to really understand you know what i'm saying what, yourself why you tick the way you tick it's easier to have a reason behind, you know, the certain things that you feel and the certain things that you say, the certain things that you want and the things that you need. It's easier to have a reasoning behind that if, in fact, you understand yourself. It's easier to communicate it if you understand yourself. Because I'm not going to lie, that's something that I definitely struggle with for a long time. Not to say that I'm the best at it now, but I'm getting better because I'm aware that I was not communicating at at my highest level, just in in general, um, with women, and so I've been working diligently on that, um, personally. Yeah, I feel like you touched on it for me. It's about awareness, awareness of who you are as an individual. Because when you are confident of who you are, or you're just aware of who you are and what you need, then you're able to, you know genuinely express that in a manner that you know can be reciprocated like listen like as a man and i feel like you know once once we get into that topic about how to love a man i think it is a direct reflection of that like 
how can we love a man? How can a black woman love a man if we don't love ourselves? And, you know, we have to put that, we have to be aware of our shortcomings and communicate that to those around us, um, to those that, that, that love us, uh, to those that care about us, and also to other black men as well. You know, I feel like that we look at communication as a masculine thing, and I do not understand why. Like, communicating and expressing your feelings or desires, you know what I'm saying, does not make you vulnerable, does not make you soft. If anything, you know what I'm saying, it makes you, it puts you in a position where, you know what I mean, like you're able to become better because you're putting yourself out there on a platform where you're open to criticism, um, you're open for feedback, you know, in order to- Yeah, no, I definitely think that that makes you vulnerable, but the vulnerability is what makes you strong. Because you're able to be vulnerable, you're able to grow. If you're not vulnerable, then you're not able to grow. And that's the key. I think the key, like the problem is people don't want to be vulnerable because it's, vulnerability has been spoken on synonymously with being soft you know what i mean and so as a man you don't want to be considered soft so therefore you don't want to be vulnerable which trickles down to the communication aspect so once you get comfortable enough with yourself to understand yourself and say fuck everybody else it's a lot easier for you to be to be vulnerable because you don't care about what other people think in fact you're so worried about, you know what I'm saying, your own peace within yourself that you're going to communicate because you don't want people messing up your peace. True. And I want to stop you there because that's a key thing. Like, yes, like I understand everything you're saying, but we got to understand that a lot of men, you know, let's call it what it is. You know what I mean? Man, if y'all feel like I'm lying, y'all can tap in here too, man. Like, but, I feel like a lot of men don't know who they are. Like they'll put on a front for what they want, but they don't know what that look like. You know what I mean? So many times people will put on a front or hang around people that they really want to be, but they don't know who them who they want to be themselves. They just know who they want to be around. So I feel like it's an identity crisis as well. You know, we need to take that time to reflect and challenge ourselves and know what each individual black man desires and what that looks like, you know? I feel like sometimes we get moved by what we desire, whether that be money, whether that may be attention, whether that may be lust. We get moved towards those aspects, and now we think we know who we are, and that's not really the case. Like, there has to be a better foundation, you know, growing up and having that stability and understanding what a black man looks like across the board, you know? Like, I feel like black men, like, have this false false perspective that, you know, you can't be soft, you can't be emotional or anything like that you know but that doesn't Which, make you soft bro that's the thing it bro it's, but... it, like you you can still feel like you don't gotta be soft but being vulnerable yeah. isn't soft being okay being vulnerable isn't soft to men that understand what vulnerability is and what what you know vulnerability can lead i hear you i you see what you're saying like you can't grow without being vulnerable you know what i mean but if right. you're looking at vulnerable as soft, and that's that's what, and, that, and that's the two sides of it. If if you talking to a black man, and they or if they get taken aback when you say that they're vulnerable, and that means they haven't crossed that bridge to understand like that they need to show the humility to be vulnerable in order to get what they need to be, you know. Versus you know, people on, yeah. So people on the other side, once they are vulnerable, they understand like okay, I need to be comfortable with being vulnerable, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. In order to put myself in a position to grow 
and to challenge myself and challenge other black men as well because how can we move other black men if we haven't moved ourselves you know it's a big reflection issue and i feel like that communication is a huge problem and not only and honestly not really with black women i think it has to start with ourselves because you know i think that our group does a good job of, and i know other groups of black men do our do a good job of being taking each other accountable uh make sure they have these type of talks but there's also people that you know a lot of people that just hang around people because they feel like it's the right thing to do or it's comfortable for them they don't have to be themselves they can just lean on somebody's somebody's image somebody's you know support whatever that may be and whatever that that looks like so we have both sides of the coin and i feel like that's where communication needs to start and needs to progress is between each other as black men that's percent yeah so i mean really um we want to get definitely i think like we uh, alluded to last podcast that you know the conversation needs to progress like at a at a rapid rate between black women and black men so you know we want to make sure that we you know we're pushing that conversation so i think that we want to tap into something every episode about you know black men or black women and you know how we can get better what are our gaps and you know we want to get feedback and we want to also get people on the pod too because I feel like this is a sensitive topic that a lot of people have a lot of emotions about because I know black men and black women we love each other and I feel like we don't acknowledge that enough but I feel like there's a lot of distractions a lot of noise in, in between that you know clouds that that narrative so we need to continue to tackle that uh moving forward and you know look for ways to continue to progress our growth that's a hundred bro that's a hundred so look be on the lookout for next episode. Next episode, we're going to bring some people on. We're going to have one of them tough conversations, um, hopefully with a young lady or even uh, whether it's with a um, another male, you know, but we're going to break down the idea of being vulnerable and, and, and expressing yourself, understanding one another, and being, <clears throat> and will, being willing enough to, you know, express your shortcomings. And, and what that can do for you. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, definitely excited about that, man. So um, be on the lookout for that. You know, we're going to do a couple little polls, you know what I mean, get some people to tap in, you know, show some interaction and, you know, continue this conversation. I mean, I know, like I said, it's been a rough 2020 for a lot of people. Not in, even if you've been fine financially, you know what I'm saying, you're employed, even mentally, it's a lot for everybody. Like, people feel like their lives are on pause. So, you know, we're going to, but at the end of the day, and, um, you know, of course, associations that have been going on as well. But at the end of the day, like I said, we all we have is each other as a black women and black men. So we want to continue to do our, our do our responsibility and push that narrative and make sure that, you know, we're addressing these issues and have those tough conversations. So next week will be just one of uh, one of many tough conversations we uh, will have because we have to get in the habit of doing that. So, you know, but I think that wraps it up for today, you know, um, of course, there's a lot going on, but we got a lot of work to do. So, G, always my brother, and I love you, man. Thank you for, you know, tapping in with me. You know what I'm saying? Thank you all for listening. And, uh, G, if you got anything else, man, you know, you already know how to check this out. Yeah, man, you know, that's that goes without saying, but I'm first going to say I love you too, bro. And that's another thing I want to tap on before we get off of here. Um, don't be scared to tell your people you love them, man. You know what I'm saying? You never know what today may bring, what tomorrow may bring. So don't be scared to give people their flowers while they're still here and you can't. So all that being said, we definitely got better today. Ken, I'm out.
I'm out. Yes, sir. You have to grow, man.